Now they're making Ghostbusters with only women. What's going on? Shut up and sit down. We will respond with that timeless creed that sums up the spirit of a people. Yes, we can. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on Earth. I know the human being and fish can coexist peacefully. Read my lips. And then we're going to Washington, D.C. to take back the White House. I love the poorly educated. We're the smartest people. We're the most loyal people. God bless you. God bless Israel. God bless the <laughs> Apparently that was the, uh, <laughs> the other intro that we tried. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> It's hard to tell. I should probably keep these things all in that? one place. I don't know. Oh. It's something that you put together. <laughs> uh, more importantly, uh, before we even start, if you just hear us randomly laughing throughout the podcast, Phil discovered that you can put emojis into Skype. So he's just going to be doing that every few minutes. So just brace yourselves. It's podcast day. Hi, guys. And it's Barstool Politics. Also, hi. Uh, I'm your host, Nick McGuire. Joined by uh, Dr. Bill Muck from North Central College and Dr. Phil Barker from Keene State College. Hi, boys. Howdy. Hey, Nick. Back from your your Big Apple adventure. Oh, absolutely. Yep. I was in the. I was in New York. I was in New Hampshire. It was. It was a lot. A lot of traveling for me. <laughs> <laughs> I need a need a nap. <laughs> wow, you're quite the jet setter. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, before we start, I guess, uh, which I already said that. Um, if you're new to the podcast or you really like the podcast or maybe you hate it and want to share it with other people that also would like to hate the podcast <laughs> with you, uh, like us on Facebook at Barstool Politics, Twitter at Barstool Paul, P-O-L. Uh, you can find the beers that we try on the Untapped app, uh, which you can download on iOS and or, or Android. Wow. Uh, the podcast itself uh, you can find on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Blueberry, uh, various other podcasting platforms, uh, iTunes, uh, review us and share us on there. That's how we continue to make this thing grow. Uh, but for this week, not a lot of um, big, huge stories, but a lot of a lot of peppering out yes. there, and yes. uh, lot, lots of tweets. Yes. Half this page is just full <laughs> of Donald Trump's face, which is hilarious. A lot, a lot of tweets. Yeah. So, gentlemen, the immigrants are coming. The immigrants are coming. (laughs) Scary. All right. If we learned anything about the president this week, it's that the idea of a caravan of immigrants heading towards the United States will cause him to truly lose his mind. On Sunday, Trump started the day out with a simple, joyful, in all caps, Happy Easter tweet. He apparently then watched a Fox News segment on the annual trek of Central American migrants making their way north by foot from southern Mexico. The migrant group, or caravan, includes everyone from infants to the elderly fleeing violence and poverty in their homelands. Trump quickly took to Twitter and in a series of tweets attacked everything even remotely related to immigration. He tweeted, quote, getting more dangerous. Caravans coming. Republicans must go to nuclear option to pass tough laws. Now, no more DACA deal. Uh, He also attacked (laughs) Mexico, noting, quote, they laugh at our dumb immigration laws. They must stop big drugs and people flows or I will stop their cash cow. NAFTA. Need wall. (laughs) Democrats also were targeted with Trump tweeting, quote, Democrats want no borders, hence drugs and crime. Uh, I feel like this would be Homer Simpson if he had a Twitter. (laughs) Yes. 
So if we were to believe the president's tweets, this caravan of migrants has caused him to pull his support for DACA, NAFTA, the Senate filibuster, Mexico in general, and further convinced him of the need for a wall. Uh, as of today, he uh, pledged or he's going to send the National Guard to the border to protect the border from these immigrants. And I think we can all agree that Trump, in his own unique way, has captured the true meaning of the Easter holiday. It was a beautiful weekend. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he has risen indeed. Yes. <laughs> oh, so there's, there's a lot of different ways that we can attack this. Phil, uh, you know, uh, what, what was your reaction to all of this? I, I think it's like so many other things we've talked about in that it... it it is both shocking and totally unsurprising at the same time. <laughs> I, it, 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 on so many levels, it doesn't, I mean, it reveals the, I don't know, the, it, it's, it's disturbing to see our president tweeting like this, I think, but it wasn't just tweets. It was the, the Easter, um, it's not a speech, but when he came out to greet the, the guests at the white house Easter roll, he went off on a rant about immigration again there and about DACA and, the, with, with the Easter Bunny literally right next to him, yes, yes. <laughs> with that crazy look on his face. I'm sorry, uh, on the president's no. face or the Easter Bunny's the face? Easter Bunny's oh, face. God. He was he was scared. <laughs> so there there are so many uh, there's so many points or ways to talk about this. We can talk about the ranting of the president. We can talk about the DACA deal, which there's so much involved in that that is not right or that's weird. I mean, he's the one who ended DACA, but also at the same time, he's blaming Democrats for there not being a deal. And so there's that aspect of it. There's the aspect of, you know, what's actually going on with these immigrants. There's the, the sort of fear tactics. He, he today is signed to this order to send the national guard to the border. I don't, I, where do we, where do you even start with this? Do you think this is, is it a genuine reaction? I, I couldn't, just, was authentically afraid about the idea of 1200 migrants coming to the U S border or whether this was politics. Did he see this as an opportunity to hammer the wall again? Or I mean, a mixture of both, but it did, it did seem to set him off in, while familiar, a, a more distinct, unhinged Twitter rant. Mm -hmm. uh, so, I don't know, politics, or is this authentically how he feels about the issue? I, I Well, I I don't know if you guys had, had seen it before me, but when I sent that, um, the the original story about the caravan, kind yeah. of, I go, it's just going to be bad. I think yes. you guys said the same thing. I think that was just his reaction. I, I don't think there's any sort of, again, strategy behind what he's saying i think this was opportunistic and he something set him off he saw something in the news this didn't happen i mean it, uh, fox news jumped on it certainly but this is something that you knew everybody was going to pick up on and it was going to drive him fucking yeah. crazy I, I i think he saw this and just started putting threads on that wall to yeah. different yeah. things and different people, and and that that was it. DACA done, I, NAFTA done, right. Senate filibuster done. Right, right. I, I think you're right. So the question of whether this is strategic and political or whether he's genuinely afraid, I, I think the answer is neither. Mm -hmm. I think it's a story that we've talked about how he's a reflex machine. Right. There's the story. It, it's immigration has been an issue for him. I mean, I, he there might be some fear in this like broadly abstract way in that immigration and Mexico is like a trigger for him. But yeah, I don't I don't think it was necessarily calculated. I also don't think it's like the issue that he's 
so focused on that when it comes up, he I, he's he'll move on in a week, right? He'll be on some mm. other issue. So I, I don't know that it's I don't know that it's either. I think it's effective as a political strategy yes. for him, yes. right? As we come into into election season, um, the wall and immigration and all of that, I think that's a winner for him. And so I and and I think even if the wall, you know, has issues in its own sense, the idea of I mean, this has been a winner for other conservative presidents, the idea of, you know, Central America or not president. This is a winner for Republicans under Obama when there were Central American, you know, refugees coming to, to the U.S. as as well. So, I mean, I whether it's intentionally political or not, it's effectively political. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The crazy thing is the numbers of border crossings are like dramatically down. I mean, the lowest yeah. since the early 70s. Mm -hmm. So it's not as if this is the, the peak of of individuals crossing the border into the United States, it's the exact opposite. I mean, it started with Obama, who people often forget how harsh Obama was on immigration, and Trump has taken this to a new level. But the the threat or the fear should be lower, but it's it's the exact opposite. Mm -hmm. But this is this is uh, this is how we function as a society now, yeah. though, as well. I think, which is that we function anecdotally. Mm -hmm. right? It's not a matter of we don't look at the numbers on immigration and think about policy prescriptions and large scale stuff. There's a story, and we all shoot our pants, yeah, right? This right. is, <laughs> and so we're not. It, it's not that we're responding. Um, in proportion to the actual issue, it's it's you know whatever is the current hot story or whatever hits the news, that's what we all focus on. And then, like Trump, we'll all move on next week. Well, and the DACA stuff is kind of strange too because one of his tweets said these big flows of people are trying to take advantage of DACA. They want in on the act. Well, no, like DACA it doesn't work. It doesn't like right. That. DACA was a very uh, finite period of time. Nobody else is getting in on DACA, so it, it's clear that he also right. doesn't understand what DACA is about. Right. I think that's maybe one of the more remarkable aspects of this story, which isn't terribly surprising, but it is blatantly obvious that he doesn't understand the policy that he's talking about. Yeah. And that is something that in the past um, presidents at least try to hide or fake. I mean, he's talking about that is just it shows that he has no understanding of what DACA yeah. is. So for a negotiating on to reveal that he has no concept of what the right. what the policy is actually about. So with DACA, you have to have been here, I think, a decade and you have to have been born before. I don't remember what year it is. Right. Um, 2000 and something. So none of these people who are coming and, you know, it this caravan, if we want to talk about that, none of them are eligible for DACA. Right. So it, it just it, the ignorance of the policy that he is so focused on it, it it's it, it shows i don't know the it's not carelessness it's the it's the i don't know he, he just doesn't sure he doesn't care enough to actually i mean it reveals the actual importance to well, him of these issues and this is something that's happened i guess this the caravan it lasts four or five years it's always around the same time it, in some ways is a political thing to draw some attention to central america and the migrants and their they're fleeing the country. They never make it, my understanding, is to the border. Mexico usually uh, finds uh, ways of, of dealing with the groups. Now, this is by far the biggest group, but Mexico did that this time, too. They said, all right, come in, and we're going to give some visas and some other types of certification. So Mexico dealt with the problem. That's not what Trump says. Because uh, well, <laughs> Trump said, well, the argument is then Trump says, well, it was my pressure on them that Mexico finally you know, took care of the issue. And you know, these guys, they're on, they're on foot. They're not, they weren't going to make it to the border anyhow. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Maybe they had good shoes. I well, I, I mean, I guess that's the thing. You don't really know what the narrative is at this point. Mm -hmm. Because realistically, uh, the story came out, his tweets came out, and then 
within a day or two, you start seeing stories about the caravan breaking up and it's smaller mm -hmm. groups now. And Mexico did decide to, you know, allow asylum for some of them. Some of them are going to continue on. So what is what's actually responsible for that breaking up? If you don't know that this is an annual right. or ongoing thing, you think that something positive came out of sure. him losing his mind. Like, it reinforces Trump, Trump's message. Right. Getting tough is a good thing. Cracking down the border. That's why we need uh, the National Guard to be on the border. But the, the reality is, I mean, both, both the Obama administration and the George W. Bush administration deployed the National Guard at certain moments. But it doesn't feel like that is necessary now, right? That this is all symbolic reactionary politics. I, I mean, how do you have a directive for the National Guard to do anything? I, I mean, this yeah. was decided on, what, a day ago? Maybe how how what 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 are the objectives and 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 you know methods of operation Stop out there? Are the they caravan. just gonna, are you just going to stand there on the border, you know, equally spaced out as far as you can go? I, I don't I don't understand what the strategy is. I, I, maybe all of it helps reinforce to, to circle back to Phil's point. This idea of the midterm elections and giving him a talking point. Maybe it gets him his wall. Uh, maybe not directly funded, but maybe the Defense Department gets it. So maybe that gets him to what he needs, and then it allows him to hammer on this issue for the midterm elections, which I, th I think you're generally right is a winner for him and the base. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so, go ahead. There's so there's I, I'm glancing through his tweets that you included <laughs> in this list. There, there's in addition to the DACA stuff. There, there's so much that just is illogical <laughs> go to the so tweets I, phil he so you know he he says here mexico has the absolute power not to let these caravans of people enter their country um they must stop them at their northern border I, I, the logic of saying that mexico if they wanted to could easily stop these people but that we have to be terrified because they're coming for us and we can't possibly stop them when they get to our border right. is it just it doesn't none of it lines up i, I feel like there we should have like a little uh, uh some sort of um jingle for like a little mini episode in which we should it should be like is donald trump a racist like we should have a little theme song because we've talked about this another but i i think about like is this is this you know is that we've talked about is donald trump a racist is is the stuff that he's doing here is this is he is this racist it, it certainly is playing off racial themes right it's the idea that mexicans are dangerous or not even Mex central americans anybody who's yeah coming from mexico through mexico he, is a danger and we need to stop them now it, it's not even implied like he is explicitly talking about how it is where where was it i mean getting more dangerous right that mm -hmm. i mean he talks about he explicitly talks about how this group of you know refugees are dangerous and are bringing with them drugs and crime right <laughs> right two things democrats love <laughs> drugs and crime they do love both of them well and then the other thing is how that so that fear mongering then gets connected to daca gets connected to nafta because he goes after nafta NAFTA. i mean i don't know I, and, and the senate filibuster and the wall all of these issues get wrapped up in this issue of fear and the danger and i think you're right these racial implications of what's going on here yes of, of course um it's, it's all effective bad, yeah it is very effective the thing is regardless of where the information is coming from or where the the data is coming from it does look like his poll numbers are going up, too. I, sure. I mean, the one that he's citing is Rasmussen, which is generally right-leaning, and they're, mm -hmm. they have him at about 50%. 50 yeah. Regardless, I think all of the data shows that he's trending yeah. up. Yes. 50 is the highest that we've seen, but he's gone up into the 40s for a lot of the other polls. Right. 
in that so in that Trump tweeted out that finding and then he referred to cheating Obama. Cheating Obama, that's a new one. <laughs> what is that in reference to? And how un I mean of all the unpresidential things he's done, this has to rank up to there. Gloat. <laughs> to gloat that uh. his approval rating is finally beaten cheating Obama. I, I just is that is that referencing what kind of cheating is going on? Was he all kinds, all he's kinds of cheating? Cheat on everything, man. <laughs> so, you know that we all know that. Uh, it, it does feel like he's returned to campaign mode. That now he's gotten some of the adults out of the room. Tillerson's gone. You know these guys who won't let him have his fun, and now he's returned to this anti-immigration theme. He's talking about pulling out of Syria. Uh, he want, he's you know he's, he's he was harping on NATO, and then again once again NATO isn't paying its fair share. So he's returned to this full campaign mode of foreign policy. Mm -hmm. I I can't imagine his behavior is going to improve anytime closer to midterms. Well, go ahead. Go ahead. Last time you let me go, so I'll (laughs) let you go this time. Um, I I mean, beyond that, like, the the facade isn't working with the rest of the world either. Like, Mexico's not even putting up with this shit anymore. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, They're adamantly stating... Uh, very verbosely now that they're not going to pay for the wall. Like yeah. this is, you know, we want to be trading partners. We think NAFTA is a good deal. We're open to negotiations and whatnot, but we're not going to be a punching bag for you. Which is not like it's no. outside of our little sphere. Yeah, this is really not playing well or playing out well with anybody. Do you guys follow Vincente Fox, the former uh, Mexican president, on Twitter? No, I don't oh, do you that. should. This guy is. I think his whole purpose now is to attack directly attack Donald Trump because he he tweets both in English and Spanish, and he's oftentimes like directly criticizing Trump. He's hilarious. But Mexico is in the midst of a presidential election, mm-hmm. and right. a majority of the candidates now are attacking Trump and using kind of playing off a a very similar populist theme, but against uh, Trump and what he's doing and his attacks on Mexico uh, to their own advantage. So mm-hmm. Trump is having an impact outside of the United States now. For sure. It's yeah. crazy. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. What, what what do we make of the fact that his approval ratings are going up in the midst of all of this? Because you, you have this tweet storm of insanity, right? Which if we go back, you know, a year and a half, two years ago during the campaign, this was the sort of stuff that people would kind of see about Trump and dismiss him or laugh him, you know, off or whatever. And and I think that, you know, at that time he had certainly a base that really liked him, but it was not the majority of the Republican Party. They were, you know, he, he managed to win the election, but... How do you, you know, he starts off low with approval ratings. He's doing this sort of stuff and his approval ratings are climbing. Is is it that Republicans are just, it's falling back into this Republican Democrat divide. It's like party loyalty. Is it that he's actually winning people over? How much has he like changed politics and, you know, how much have, have we shifted? I mean, if, if there were an election today, right, if he has 50% approval rating, he would easily win the Republican nomination. I, I feel like he's going to face a challenge there. (laughs) So John Kasich is up in in New Hampshire this week, right? Yeah. Yeah. So how do you, I mean, I don't, I, I don't know how to interpret that. I don't, I'm not real sure what to make of the fact that almost half of Americans think he's doing a good job. I, I, I don't know if I buy that poll, right? I, I think no, that, you can't trust polls. Remember that. Because well, that's <laughs> high. I, I, I but, think he's probably in the 
the other one suggests he's in the low to mid 40s. Uh, right. So still 45 percent right. of Americans think I he's doing know. a good job. Right. I, I mean, up from 30 percent a couple of months sure. ago. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, he's sitting on two things now. He's sitting on immigration and he's sitting on trade wars with China. And we'll talk about the trade war in a little bit. But it, it does. I wonder whether those two issues, whether, you know, may, maybe we've gotten so used to Trump's behavior that the negative doesn't hurt as much so when he does something stupid people ignore it and the fact that he's talking about you know putting it back to china and getting you know hitting china on the trade war and then he's, he's cracking down on immigration maybe that is that is soothing that conservative voter i, I it's, it's hard to understand because i would think with all the other stuff going on he would be dropping but he's not there's something very teflon about him where nothing seems to stick mm-hmm I think we might see a swing, like you said. We'll talk about the trade war later mm-hmm. with the the tariffs that are going uh, that are being put in place, and then the tit for tat, you know, response from China. I, I I think that's going to really start kind of pulling this thing apart. And when you start messing with Midwestern farmers and people in the middle class and things that he was very adamant that he was going to save and and make prosper again because of cheating obama yeah. like it's it's i can't believe he's, he's oh, can't believe he said obama. It. it's yeah. um yeah I, I i i would like to see another poll in a, in a couple weeks and and see what happens with these with these tariffs but i i, I mean in the end like i i know you guys he's probably a racist like i i'm just gonna say <laughs> regardless nobody likes to hear that especially if you're a republican <laughs> And there's there's the thumbs up those, emoji. Those emojis. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I mean, if you're a Republican and you're realistically not that person and you're constantly being the the concept of uh, the president and then by proxy you as a supporter of the of at least the Republican Party or as a conservative, that you're also a racist, that identity politi- yeah, politics thing work, does yeah. not play well sure, and the sure. democrats still have not gotten away from that and right. if they keep hammering that home they're gonna face a tough time in a couple of years I, I it's i i don't know i think he's gonna be a lot if he's still in office i think he's gonna be a lot harder to beat than people are giving him credit for right oh now. absolutely if, if democrats think this is a slam dunk both in the midterms i i think the democrats will do well in the midterms but yeah they they can't they shouldn't underestimate him because mm-hmm. that's uh yeah he's his numbers I, are strong I think back to, you know, like a year ago when we were first starting this and we had Peter on the mm-hmm. podcast, the guy yeah. who had written about the democratic strategy. And, and I think about, uh, you know, and this is an example of that, right? Calling him or people who support a wall as racist doesn't, you know, it that might play well with the democratic base, but mm-hmm. it, it doesn't convert people, mm-hmm. right? There needs right. to be a discussion about immigration policy, about what's going on in, in Central America. It, it, there needs to be a discussion about the actual facts and, and sort of convincing people about, you know, the American ideals and experience. And, and, you know, there needs to be an actual discussion and engagement rather than just dismissing people, right. um, even if you think that they are racist, right? You convert them. You don't mm. you don't convert people by telling them that's racist. Right. right. <laughs> so right. Um, but the problem is we don't we don't you know, we've talked about this before. We're we're a soundbite society, and we don't. I don't. I don't know that that. Uh, yeah, 
Yeah. I was I was one of the things that you shouldn't do is is look at the comments on on the tweets, but I I was looking at the comments on Trump's tweets this weekend and it is it is that divisive reaction. So you have some saying he should be in jail, this is terrible, and you have a lot of people loving these tweets. You yeah. know, there, there were pictures of Nancy Pelosi on the US Mexican border like waving immigrants in and you know, I mean there there are there's a large segment that absolutely buys into this and thinks he's doing a good job, a good job on immigration, good job on trade. So, yeah, there is there is political points to win. He just has to be smart about it and not let the Stormy Daniels and the Mueller things and all these other issues get in the way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Agreed. Should we talk beer? Yeah, yeah. I guess. So we got some big big speed round topics. We yeah, that's true. Yeah, time. they're probably going to take a yeah. while. Yeah. Phil, do you want to start us off? Uh, sure. The, the, the beer I'm drinking right now is a Dogfish Head namaste white belgian style wit beer uh let's see what's it say brewed with dried or uh, organic orange peel and fresh cut lemongrass and a bit of coriander (laughs) is is pretty damn good i don't i don't uh i'm not a huge like wheat beer type per it's not my go-to beer this is really good it's got a grapefruit in there (laughs) it's not grapefruit but the orange is it's like uh, it's pronounced, but it's not overwhelming. I I think you would really like this Ooh, beer. Bill. It does sound good. Yeah, um, it's 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 pretty good. I I um I was skeptical going into it, but I'll I'll drink it again. Can we get a, a thumbs up emoji on it? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I'm impressed. If, if I was doing this on Skype, I would have disconnected us about six times. <laughs> so Nick and I are enjoying a Guinness Nitro IPA. Let's not go crazy. <laughs> We're drinking a Guinness Nitro IPA, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which neither of us knew existed, and uh, my in-laws actually got it for me for Easter. So it is it is a, I don't know, it is a confusing beer. It's a watered-down Guinness. Let's, I, I was just, that's that's what it is. It, that's, it, it, I, is I'm that not, what it says on the can? Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Their marketing is If you is like your great. Guinness watered down, <laughs> this is for you. It has that nitro element to it, which is very smooth. That's good. Yes. I'm not getting any IPA in this. None. Yeah, it, it it does. It is like a. They've got the what's the? They've got the regular Guinness, and they've got a couple other nitro ones. But this mm. is this is an odd beer. I'm not sure what to make of it. I can't no. imagine it's going to stick. Like around. you want it to be kind of it, almost like a Boddington's, but it's mm. too heavy for that. But then it's not a Guinness either. I I, I just I. I You're right. It I is, it is Boddington's like, mm-hmm. but not as good. No, um, it's not terrible. No, we've had some some beers that have tasted worse than this. Yes, but <laughs> that's um, true. This is kind of just blah. Yeah, it's just there. <laughs> so, it's a glowing so, endorsement. Not so, the worst beer I've ever had. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if the Guinness people have made it this far, try harder. Yeah, yeah. I'm just yeah. gonna put it in my stomach <laughs> and forget about it. All right, mm-hmm. speed round time. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, topic number one: Who says you can't win a trade war? Boys, it looks like we've got ourselves a good old trade war between the United States and China. The Chinese government said that tariffs of about $3 billion worth of U.S. imports are going into effect on Monday, hitting 128 U.S. products ranging from pork, meat, fruit, and steel pipes. That's an interesting mix of uh, products. This was the latest move in escalating tensions between the two, uh, the world's two largest economies, which some experts fear could turn into a full-blown trade war. China made clear its actions were in response to President Trump's tariffs on Chinese steel and aluminum. The Trump administration has suggested it is only getting started, and it has planned to slap tariffs on about $50 billion worth of Chinese goods. Global markets are clearly rattled by these developments. Uh, Do you gentlemen believe that the Trump's hardline tactics will work out well for the U.S. and the global economy? 
go. <laughs> no. This does not end well. No. Uh, go, go, Phil. Tell us more. <laughs> well, I mean, this is this is to be expected, right? This is when when you impose trade limitations. Um, when you impose tariffs on China, they're going to do the same. This has been the back and forth that has happened for, uh, you know, for 20 years now since we've opened up trade with China extensively. Um, we, you know, uh, typically what happens is there's some specific thing that prompts it, right? Mm -hmm. So China is engaging in dumping of some, you know, some specific uh, product and we respond with a retaliatory um, usually through the World Trade Organization yes. this that Trump's approach is this very broad China are you know cheaters right yeah. and so we're going to just like cheating um, Obama mm -hmm. right, right. <laughs> we're going to sort of in a broad way attack them um, and there's no other way if you're China this is how you have to respond you don't you don't respond in in any other way um, I th the you know, he, he has a Trump has approached this issue with the sort of all in abandon that he's approached North Korea and the Mexico, Mexico issue. Right. Yes. I, he was tweeting. Was it today or yesterday about uh, when you're five hundred billion dollars down? There's no like there's no going back Might as well. <laughs> You're already a loser or something like that. When you're when you're already five hundred billion dollars, you can't down well, yeah, when you're already five hundred billion down, you can't lose. You can't lose. You you can lose. Huh. You can lose you can lose bad. Absolutely you can lose. <laughs> this sounds and, like and somebody who's like their casinos have gone under, right? This is you know <laughs> yeah. Let it ride. Yeah, yes. These aren't these aren't small tariffs that China is imposing. They're like twenty five percent tariffs, right? Yep. I mean, these are major, you know, major punitive measures they're taking. Mo Moody's came out and said that it's likely that the United States, as just with the current tariffs on put in place, one hundred ninety thousand U.S. jobs will be lost. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, that that's that, a lot. That is a significant amount just for one policy shift, mm -hmm. and there may be more tariffs coming. Yeah, I, I mean, like we we mentioned earlier, this is going to start hitting. Midwestern farmers, uh, soybean farmers. <clears throat> That's right. Wheat, China and, uh, buys a huge percentage of our soybeans. Yes, our whiskey too. So, Ooh. yeah, that's a problem. Cars, cars, cars Buick. are a big part that's of it. That's a problem. Buick, it's Buick's. huge in China. <laughs> Phil, it really is. It's, you were going to buy a Buick, weren't you? <laughs> I thought about it, but then all the Chinese, all, they all got Good. sold to China. Can I get a skeptical face emoji now? Is that <laughs> no, I, I think you're right. I mean, this is going to hit. <laughs> Phil found it. Her, her uh, crying face is good too. It's going to hit a lot of Trump voters, farmers. Uh, this is this seems like a counterproductive political move, Nick. Don't you think? Yes, absolutely. I I'm still curious to see what the end results will be. I was listening to um, a few interviews uh, prior to us recording, and I think a lot of farmers are worried. They're very skeptical, but at the same time, they think that he has done really good things, not only for the economy, but for the agricultural sector, uh, for tax relief, mm -hmm. uh, especially for small businesses. So I, depending on how bad this gets, I, maybe he can mitigate some of the negative consequences. But if it keeps going like this and, you know, we go back and forth at $50 billion a clip, we're going to have a yeah. serious problem very quickly. Well, and sometimes so, per perception becomes reality. And so if he goes after and there's a handful of farmers who are upset about this, that becomes a bigger story. Same thing with the stock market. The stock, park, stock market is inevitably going to have a few drops coming forward. Mm -hmm. And if Trump is messing around with tariffs, he might be the guy that gets blamed 
for these these changes, even though he may not be responsible for them. It lost what five? The Dow lost five hundred points after the announcement of the uh, yeah. the tariffs, yeah. and then I think it <clears throat> rebounded somewhere between one and two hundred today. Yeah, that yeah. doesn't match up. It no. doesn't doesn't work that way. No. So yeah, I, I have I have two questions going forward. One of which one the first one is. Uh, this is this spirals very quickly right we we impose tariffs china responds the natural response from trump is going to be well if you're going to do that we'll put tariffs on even more things and so this goes downhill really quickly i have confidence that other presidents and their economic advisors would be able to pull out of that spiral to recognize the direction (laughs) of this Mm -hmm. i because trump is a reflex machine one of my questions is can he correct like, can he write the course if if this goes that direction or does, he, you know, the the sort of um, I don't know, the, the the response of China, I could see just kind of pissing him off even more that he sort of doubles down on this. So mm-hmm. one of the questions I have is, can he pull out of this? And the other one, which is what you're talking a little bit about, is does he pay a price for this in this in a really highly partisan world if this goes downhill? I don't, I, does he pay a price for this? If there's an economic downturn in the U.S. because of this, do people blame him or do they blame China or do they blame Democrats somehow? I, I don't I'm not convinced in, in, in the old political order he would pay a price for this. And I, if that happens, I am not 100 percent convinced that he pays the political price. I don't know. To, to your first point, I think China is one of the adults in the room and they get Trump. And I think in some ways they like Trump. So if there is an option to to de-escalate or to avoid a hyperbolic, you know, reaction, I think China will be that country, unlike North Korea. But it will require that Trump also plays ball and somebody gets in his ears to say, let's have a conversation. Maybe China will reach out and find ways to, to discreetly de-escalate the tension. I'm guessing they may already be doing that now. Uh but I, I don't know. I, I think you're right that it, it could easily build if somebody doesn't, China or somebody in the U.S. administration, calm this down. So I, uh, again, heard an interview with one of his top economic advisors um, early this morning. Uh, he, realistically, this has been an issue because of, <clears throat> not because of uh, necessarily you know, steel and soybeans and whiskey and cars, it's intellectual property theft, Mm -hmm. which China is absolutely culpable for. Um, That has not been touched in any way, shape, or form with any of these tariffs. And based on the conversations that, uh, I forgot who it was on NPR, that was having with this economic advisor, they're completely separating the two. Mm -hmm. It's national security, and then we don't want China to out-influence us. Like, you can't, you can't, Sure. Those need to be put yeah. together. You can still do intellectual property and save us money and still come out on top and, and looking like the good guy. You you sure. can't do it just to make sure that they don't have, you know, a greater influence in the Asia Pacific region as as opposed to us, which we would have had had we joined the Trans Pacific Partnership. Not that it was a good deal, but that, you know, would have been a consequence mm-hmm. of that. Regardless, I, I don't think even if there are advisors in the room, they're not adults in the room. They they're they have this mentality where we just need to put China in their place and the intellectual property thing is a secondary concern. That's an important point because there are real conversations to be had 
about sure. addressing trade problems, both yeah. from China's side, but also for the United States in terms of subsidies for agricultural products. There are real conversations that need to happen. Uh, I, I don't have a lot of faith like you, Nick, that this administration is going to be able to have those. Oh. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Topic number two. Update on the Mueller investigation. So according to the Washington Post article yesterday, special counsel Robert Mueller informed President Trump's attorneys last month that he is continuing to investigate the president, but does not consider him a criminal target at this point. Instead, Trump continues to be in that sweet spot of just being the subject of an investigation. Awesome. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Prosecutors view someone as a subject when that person has engaged in conduct that is under investigation, but there is not sufficient evidence to bring charges. Trump has apparently expressed relief with this development, and it has increased the likelihood that he actually sits down with Mueller. The special counsel also told Trump's lawyers that he's preparing a report about the president's actions. Some are suggesting that Mueller may have uh, concluded that he does not have the authority to charge a sitting president with a crime and instead planning on providing a report to Congress or to Rob Rosenstein, uh, who would then decide whether to act. So while Trump feels some sense of relief, I'm not so sure he's out of the woods just yet. What do you think, Philly? (laughs) I, I think he's not out of the woods at all. I, I think this is is a massive trap. <laughs> okay. um, you think Mueller's so, setting a trap? Mm-hmm. Yes. So uh, the the way that I have the the people who I have read that seem to know what they're talking about say that um, you kind of alluded to this in your in in your introduction, which is that to say that he's not a target, that the definition, a Department of Justice definition of a target, isn't. <laughs> just that it's that there's a couple of aspects to it but one of the aspects is that um they're they're likely to or there's the potential to bring charges and under the department of justice uh, the current interpretation the president cannot be charged so by definition the president cannot be a target so um that means that that Mueller is sneaky right to say (laughs) that he's not a target does not mean that he is innocent or that Mueller doesn't think anything happened the other part of this that I that I read today that was interesting to me is that the Department of Justice doesn't tend to issue public report or doesn't tend to issue reports unless there is wrongdoing so this is part of what was uh, what got Comey in trouble about uh, Clinton is that there was a determination that there was not wrongdoing and he still issued this sort of public statement or public report so the fact that Mueller says he wants to do this interview with Trump so that he can issue this report, mm-hmm. in fact, might be indicating that what, what this whole statement means is Mueller thinks the president can't be indicted, that this is not an issue of criminal prosecution. This is an issue of impeachment. And so he wants to issue a report. And the fact that he wants to issue a report actually might indicate that he has strong evidence that Trump in some way at least obstructed justice. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> I think I, I, I don't I don't I don't think you can conclude too much from this. I think, in fact, it could it, I mean, it could mean that there's not much evidence towards Trump. It could mean the exact opposite. Do you think Trump appreciates all the subtlety of that legal analysis there? <laughs> yes, for sure. No, I, I, not at all. I mean, he said and again, you alluded to it, that he would sit down with the special counsel if he was the subject. Yeah or was a subject in an investigation as opposed to a target, if you get him in a room where he specifically says he wants to clear his name, he wants to, you know, show that there's nothing to hide, you get two 
questions into that questioning and he's something's going to come oh, yeah. out or he's going to lie about something or it, it, something that's going to trip him up. And you you just have evidence at that point. He, I, yeah. It's yeah, you can talk about the legal wranglings of that. But Donald Trump is a person trying to testify to Robert Mueller is just not a good scenario for there's, there's for no him. way he gets out of that without lying right because Mueller is so good at it knows all of the evidence all of the facts Trump knows none of the evidence none of the facts and it would be awful I, I don't think any lawyer I mean that's probably why John Dowd left is he said I can't I can't possibly be your lawyer if you're going to sit in front of Robert Mueller right uh, but Trump is crazy enough and and maybe legally stupid enough to do this it would yep. be I think it would be an awful decision uh, on his part, I, just in terms of the presidency. But you're right. I I, I think Mueller's up to something here. <laughs> He's well, trying to be coy. And it seems to be worse. Didn't Trump? I mean, he he. <laughs> what you were saying, Nick, that that's been a report that's come out since the statement came out that Trump seems excited about this idea, right? right? That he's, he's cleared and let's just do the interview and get it over with. Let's get this finished. This is um, great. He's a great guy. I knew he yeah. wouldn't find anything. There's but, nothing to yeah. find. That's right. Remember how much effort Trump put into getting Comey to say that he wasn't under investigation, right? right. And, but this is, this is an important distinction that there's one thing to say you're not under investigation. It's another thing to say that you're the subject of an investigation, not a, you know, so it's, He's in. I think it's really dangerous water here. Uh, this everybody is reading this as this might be good for Trump, but I'm not so certain. I, yeah, I, I mean, like you said, Phil, what's the likelihood that we see some sort of report come out of this? Do you think like there's some sort of substantial data drop that could potentially be coming at this point? I think so. I and think then, so. And then the question is, where does it go? I think it would have to go to Rob Rosenstein first. Mm. Now, that's another interesting question. And then, so Mueller would give it to him. He would have the right to release it publicly, release it to Congress, or sit on it. And so if Trump knows this is happening, he could also fire Rosenstein, fire uh, Sessions, so that they they would sit on that document. Although I think it would be likely then to be leaked. But there's there's a lot of really interesting angles here. There's going to be a report that comes out, and that report is going to go public at some point. I, I I just can't see any other end to this, right? That report's going to go to uh, Congress, it's, and, and if Congress decides, if Republicans control committees and decide to sit on a report, I, mean, I should say, if there's substance to the report, which there's going to be, right? There's going to be some level of substance to the report. Um, if a report comes out saying that that Trump in some way obstructed justice or in some way tried to cooperate with the Russians, whatever it might be, if if that is tried, if, if Republicans try to keep that quiet, someone's going to leak that. Yeah. And, and so it may not come out immediately, but at some point, the, this these this is going to this is going to come out. Mm-hmm. This um, is kind of a brilliant play by Mueller because there's all this the, the conversation about whether he is a political actor and what he can ultimately do is say I'm going to release this report to Rosenstein to Congress to whoever and then Congress you decide what you want to do you decide whether this is an impeachable offense uh, right. and if so then we could talk about legal charges but it does feel as if Mueller feels tied by this decision of the Office of Legal Counsel to say I cannot indict a president so Here's the next best thing. Uh, mm-hmm. This is going to get fun, guys. This is going to be really it's interesting. It's going to be fun. Yes. All right, next Thumbs topic. Up. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. 
Skype thumbs up. Oh, a heart. <laughs> heart. Okay. <laughs> All right. Jumping to the Sinclair Broadcasting Company, uh, an Orwellian dream. So for topic number three. Such a nerd. I know. This week, the Sinclair Broadcast Group got a na- got national attention with a rather stunning video showing dozens of its anchors reciting the same speech warning against, quote, biased and false news. The company is the largest owner of local television stations in the country, with 173 stations and 81 broadcast markets that stretch from coast to coast. Uh, Sinclair required their local anchors to record promos while they, uh, where they denounced, quote, the troubling trend of irresponsible, one-sided news stories plaguing our country. While Sinclair argues it is simply warning of the dangers of fake news, critics see a powerful company using local journa- journalists to echo one of President Trump's most central talking points. The president came to the company's defense with multiple tweets, noting, quote, Sinclair is far superior to CNN in even more fake NBC. Now, NBC does, Sinclair owns multiple NBC outlets, <laughs> but that's kind of beside the point. Uh, requiring stations to uh, read pre-prepared political text feels a bit like 1984 to me. How big of a deal is this, Philip? <laughs> uh, I, I mean, it, it's a it's a big deal. Mm-hmm. I, it's a big deal, though, not in, in my mind. This, spe- I mean, this specific issue in which a, a, a you know Sinclair says to its 170 stations, "You must read this exact statement." There's there's journalistic ethics involved that are mm-hmm. that's problematic there. But this has been a big deal for a long time, right? This is an issue of of corporate ownership of media, mm-hmm. of these mass media conglomerates, a handful of people who own tons of stations that that we should have been concerned about for a long time already. <laughs> yes. I mean, it ties in. We're, we're going to get into this here in a little bit with with Amazon, but it ties into, you know, Trump's attacks on on uh Amazon because of uh, Jeff Bezos's owning of the Washington Post. But, you know, that when when you have a person who owns all of these stations and has that much control or editorial power, we should be worried. But it's a little surprising to me that we're just now getting around to being worried about this. Mm-hmm. It's a different approach going after I was thinking about the way in which local news is impacting this. And, and I don't think most people. It's most, pretty brilliant. It is very brilliant. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Nick, was, what was your thoughts on all this? I, I, I mean, I'm with Phil on this yeah. in, in, in general. I, I think that the influence of, of corporations on national and, and local media is it's it's insane how much we've let them get away with. And while I think the Sinclair thing is is really troubling I, the exact same thing can be said for uh who owns cnn turner yes it, yeah um nbc abc uh yeah i mean fox obviously in general cbs uh, have turned into these massive media and industrial conglomerates that have political motivations and regardless of i i think sinclair was obviously based on you know looking at the individual feeds this was a very targeted and purposeful um use of their power i i mean i can easily see a more subtle and strategic use of that power from other media outlets i i think this is a much wider problem that we need to be worrying about um 
and and it's it does not end with Sinclair by any way or in any way, shape, or form. We we usually don't think we think of Fox and MSNBC and CNN as being political or being political journalism, but we don't think of our local five o'clock news as being political. And that's mm-hmm. what's brilliant about all of this. It strikes me is that Trump has been really successful with his fake news campaign. There was a poll that came out recently where three quarters of people polled felt that the mainstream news media was was spreading fake news stories, right? So it's just undermining this faith in the news. Um, and this is this is really, really dangerous when people don't have faith in their news organization. So it's it, it feels to me that Trump is kind of winning this by tearing everybody, including himself, down. I think that's true, but I think he's also playing on a theme that's been around for a long time. I mean, that, that, this has been the claim of Fox News, that the mainstream media is biased and they're presenting, you know, a fair and balanced picture. I mean, this has been a part of the American discourse for 20 years now. Right. I, the, the thing that I come back around to is I, I, I am deeply concerned by this, but I, what is the solution? Um, I mean, I, certainly the solution is to not to perhaps not let one person own 180 media yeah. you know, markets around the country. But, um, you know, as long as the media has a profit motive and as long as they're, they're, you're going to be subject to influences. I mean, mm-hmm. we in America, we don't you know, Americans are deeply opposed to government run you know and there's dangers in a government run you know in in like publicly owned or publicly operated news networks as well i mean i i mean i suppose the 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 answer is that people have to be um more strategic or more skeptical about their news sources i suppose but i don't i don't i don't see a real obvious solution to this as concerning as it is so it it bothers me deeply but i'm not, i'm not sure how we move forward can I get a, a laughing emoji for people uh, being more skeptical about things? There's got to be a laughing well, emoji. The other danger about all of this, though, <laughs> is that you know, we've talked about this in the past. You know, they've done they, they break down the degree to which Donald Trump lies at an unprecedented rate. So having Donald Trump come out and say that the news media is fake, and he's saying it's fake because he doesn't like the coverage that he gets. That's different than the media actually producing lies or not being accurate. And, and it seems to me that that distinction has been lost. Mm-hmm. That negative coverage is the same as fake coverage. Mm-hmm. And so right. so my hope is that, that there are enough outlets doing good work, uh, doing reputable journalism, where there's going to be pressure on national and local outlets to mimic that uh i think we would have seen that pressure though at this point like it's it's getting worse at this i i i i don't know i i agree with you that there are definitely news outlets out there that are doing good work and should be thought of as legitimate news outlets but the narrative is so tilted at this point it's hard to determine who those outlets are and even if they are out there and they're saying that depending on which way they lean, odds are they're leaning left, um, the other side is going to say they're fake news anyways. But I I do think that the major papers, whether we're talking about the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, the Washington Post, those history will prove those papers as a, this is kind of a heyday for them and good journalism. Maybe not for Fox, maybe not for MSNBC, but for those journalists that are going in. Maybe not. (laughs) (laughs) I I do think there is some integrity in the news right now. It's just not necessarily in television. So, I mean, what's the solution? My original solution that I was thinking about was you do away with the 24-hour news cycle and that would, there's much less profit motivation there. But at the same time, you've developed a, a a whole new world of of media access yep. where you can 
talk to people 24 hours a day on their fucking phones uh, and right. and just appeal to their the the basis of instincts uh, like i i don't know how mm-hmm. you put this genie back in the bottle because no. people we, love I, it we I, yeah i mean I, we have to be we, we're gonna have to get burned real bad i think right yeah. at some point that the the this sort of partisan and partisanship of media or whatever is going to cause it's it, it you know, at some point we're going to get burned in in a painful way by it, and and that will lead us to reconsider our news sources. But I, I that's, you know, I think I think things are going to have to get really bad before we, before we rethink how we look at media. I, I think they are really bad. <laughs> I mean, you I'm think about, tired of it's, things it's getting entirely bad. Possible that Trump... when I say really bad, I mean like. It, the media coverage has led us into World War Three okay. or, or the Second <laughs> sure. Great Depression. Oh, so we have to die. <laughs> okay, I get Something it. Has, like, when I say it has to get really bad, like it has to lead us to reconsider. Because it's way too convenient and nice to just have people reinforce what we think. And at some point, we have to be confronted with the fact that just listening to media that conf- that confirms what we think led us to this really dark place and yeah. it, and and that i yeah i mean that's it's a bleak way to look at it, but i think that's what has to happen eventually it's also possible that donald trump will lead us off the cliff right so donald trump will take fox news with him you know in some sort of you know grand awful gesture and everything burns down and, and fox news loses credibility trump loses credibility uh, i think he also has that potential but it's not it's not just I mean, no, I know, Fox I know, News is I know. the worst of it, I think. But, you know, you and I in New York last week were watching MSNBC yeah. is just I mean, it's yeah. It, it is. It, yeah, I mean, it, it's they, it, it is that profit yeah. motive, right? They're yeah. they're playing to an audience because it's this self-reinforcing thing, right? I, we can tell people what they want to hear and they'll watch in droves and we'll make lots of money. And so we'll give them even more of what they want to hear. And. Yeah. And Trump has been great for all of those. Trump has been great for Fox News. Trump has been great for MSNBC, for CNN, for all of them, right? I mean, that's the thing. Trump has been good for this podcast. You know, so that's true. You know, we're not part of the problem. But <laughs> maybe, maybe. Skeptical maybe. face right, emoji? Maybe, yes. All right. Well, let's continue on this trend with our next topic, uh, looking at <laughs> uh, Trump's attack on Amazon. So President Trump took to Twitter for the fourth time in one week to, abash, to bash e-commerce company Amazon on Tuesday. Trump stated that Amazon is costing the United States Post Office many billions for being Amazon's, quote, delivery boy. Can you? That, that, I just didn't like that he called the post office delivery boys. Isn't that what they are? I don't, I don't know. Aren't they, isn't that literally what they are by I, definition? Yeah, but it's just not boy, right? They're, they're men and women. Well, that's written. No, that's sexist. Maybe they're women. You don't know. Well, no, I, I, they could be men or women. But I don't know. Boys. I really just want to be contrarian yeah. All right. right now. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So he continued. Moreover, quote, only fools are worse are saying that our money losing post office makes money with Amazon. The only problem with this fact is that Amazon has proven to be one of the post office's biggest growth sectors. Uh, Trump's focus on Amazon stems from his general hatred of its CEO, Jeff Bezos, who owns the Washington Post, a frequent target of Trump. Uh, Trump's sustained attack on Amazon has caused their stock to tumble, and poor Jeff Bezos, you know, he's, he's, I feel bad for him. He's really sad. Um, <laughs> should we be troubled by the fact that the president is taking direct aim at a major corporation for largely political reasons? And isn't two day shipping worth, way, is it way more important than politics? Yes. I love two-day shipping. And you know what? Nobody's given up fucking Amazon. <laughs> no, that's <so>. right. <laughs> yeah, if he was talking about mom and pop fucking 
propeller makers. Yeah, it would propeller might, makers. Mom is not <laughs> propeller. Maker. Yeah, wait, like they're propeller and or airplane propellers. I don't know, whichever. They, okay. They're they're very multifaceted. They're I never want to ride on a plane where mom and pop is made by propellers. <laughs> <laughs> I I mean, it's like he just. In this particular situation, he just sounds like a lunatic. Nobody's going to give up Amazon. Like it's just, and their stock is tumbling. Yeah. Their stock is, uh, it's astronomical what that stock is worth, and it's probably overpriced anyways. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, this is a personal vendetta against Bezos, which I, I completely understand. And frankly, Amazon scares the shit out of me, too, considering how much influence they do have today. It's bizarre that a company has gotten that big and that influential after being an online book retailer. Like, I probably bought five things off of Amazon this week. But his beef isn't so much with Amazon. It's with Bezos right. and his own owning of the Washington Post. That's, so like, yeah. 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 So yeah. A, I, yeah. I, I understand the point. It's just... It just it's just childish. Like I we 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 do these segments and like you we want to ascribe some grand meaning behind what he's doing and you know some institutional you know dysfunction. He's just an idiot when it comes to some of this stuff. That's my opinion. And he hates Bezos. And he hates him. Yeah. He's a reflex machine. Yes. (laughs) So the Washington Post says things about him that he doesn't like. They're not wrong. They're not necessarily bad. They're just factual reporting. <laughs> and he gets pissed off and targets Jeff Bezos. So I there's there's two aspects to this. There's the 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 real I mean, what the story is all about, which is that Trump is lashing out at someone who's saying things about and Jeff Bezos isn't even saying things about it's it's a, he owns the Washington Post but is not involved in the editorial aspect in theory it's, it you seems know, like people I, believe that it's not actually the Post just, has come out and said that like he will show up every couple of weeks to talk about business but he is not involved in content at all and that if, if he were that there would be a major uproar because the Post right. is it's a big paper so I'm sorry to mean to cut you off yeah yeah, so I mean, it's he's he's pissed about the Washington Post reporting stuff, and so he's targeting their owner. Um, that in and of itself is again unprecedented, right? I mean, we've gotten used to this in the last year and a half, but the president targeting a private company because that is deeply troubling, right? Especially that it's the media that he's attacking. He's going after the media for reporting stuff that he doesn't like. It's it's deeply concerning. But I mean, like we were talking about, it is owned by a you know, an industrial media conglomerate. Yep. So there's enough, you know, plausible deniability there sure. to, to yep. say that there's you know, it's it's not um what's the word? Um it's not objective. It, it can't be objective by definition because it it's you know, it's owned by a corporation who has political and um and monetary objectives sure. that they're trying to fulfill well and trump is this isn't the only corporation trump has gone after he went after verizon he went after coca-cola for a while he went after they Coca-Cola. dropped my call it was very yes. it's very displeasing i'm gonna keep drinking coke but i'm not pleased i mean nordstrom's there's a whole host of corporations over the time over time that he's gone after and all of it is problematic uh the chamber of commerce came out and and very delicately said that we really wish no politician would directly attack businesses because, you know, it's not good for commerce. It's not good for business. Uh, he's not going to stop, though. No, but I mean, this is this is his M.O. Again, he's a reflex machine, but he just attacks. That's what he mm-hmm. does, regardless of whether it's corporate or political or geopolitical or, or anything in between. That's that's how he operates. You know, the New York Times had a story today saying that uh, companies, a lot of major companies, have a presidential Twitter strategy ready now. 
<laughs> so they think about this. Like they think about what would happen if we're a big company if the president attra- attacks us and we're going to have a Twitter response ready. That says something that major corporations are thinking about when our goofball president attacks us because he didn't like the hot dog that he ate. I mean, that, that's, I don't know. It's not, it's not good. God, hot dog sounds good. Though. Yeah, it does sound good. <laughs> so I, before we change, before we yes. change subjects and run out of time, I, being a political science nerd, there's another dimension to this that yeah. I want to talk about, yeah. which is that um, the, the attack itself is a weird thing. The, the fact that, that we're attacking the post off that Amazon takes advantage of the post office. Mm. Um, Everyone does. Right? That's the whole point of the post office. The post office loses money every year. And we want it that way because by making by essentially subsidizing Amazon, allowing them to ship things cheaper, we stimulate the economy. How many millions, billions of dollars a year are added to our economy because everyone gets cheap, free two day shipping <laughs> from Amazon. Right. Mm-hmm. So we have this weird, uh, you know, we we fret constantly in the u.s over the fact that the post office is losing money and that's the fucking idea the the, the post office is supposed to lose money it's just like the the interstate system loses money too every year and that's the idea because it fosters commerce it encourages business it, it encourages trade and that stimulates the economy and we all benefit from that so it's it's a weird um I don't know. It, it's part of this kind of American. I, I think because the post office is government run and you know subsidized by the American people, we get up in arms about it. But there's this long term picture in which this is exactly what we want. Mm-hmm. But they're not doing that with Amazon, though, right? I mean, so, I mean, Amazon is good for. I mean, the post office is making money on Amazon because of. Right. So they they give them slightly discounted rates because they have so many shipments, right? This is mm-hmm. this is classic business. The Sam's Club <laughs> approach right, to right. And the other thing that, that nobody talks about is that Trump's tax cut helped Amazon dramatically, right? I mean, so if you're mm-hmm. angry with this corporation, maybe you shouldn't have given them a tax cut that saved them billions and billions of dollars, right? It's all, it's not good, Nick. No, it's, no. it's really not good. Let's talk about it's Roseanne. Just- they better not touch Yay. my two-day shipping. No, <laughs> I'll be real upset about that. That's going to start the revolution. <laughs> <laughs> All right, sitcom got off to a strong start, drawing 18.2 million viewers uh, for its return episode. That's uh, that's about what we average per episode, right? Nick? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, that's yeah. good. I wasn't sure. I don't check the numbers all the time. Uh, the Roseanne revival has been part of a broader strategy by ABC to reorient its shows since the election of Donald Trump. Roseanne Barr has been a vocal supporter of the president, and the show plans not to shy away from the president and his viewpoint and the experiences of Trump supporters. Critics on both the left and the right have given the opening episodes a positive review, suggesting that maybe all the country needs to pull itself back together is more Roseanne. <laughs> Barr gained some additional attention that last week when she posted a head-scratching tweet stating that, quote, President Trump has freed so many children held in bondage to pimps all over the world. Uh, the tweet is thought to be referencing a popular conspiracy theory known as the Storm, suggesting that Trump is breaking up sex trafficking rings involving Democrats. I will say this is of all conspiracy theories. It's out there. Um, so how are we feeling about the return of Roseanne and her impact on popular culture? Emoji Phil. God. <laughs> I... I don't know. I pass. <laughs> you pass. <laughs> I pass. <laughs> Nick, what are you thinking about Roseanne? Uh, I I mean, I I think the the ratings are, you know, it, it's 
it's that part of the media that media companies have tended to shy away from. It's people with conservative standpoints who live in middle America who don't ascribe to, you know, sex in the city and this weird elitist kind of picture that they Mm -hmm. paint of American society. And, you know, if there's there's a Trump supporter that's I'll watch it. I don't care if it's good or not, which is fine. But the fact that it's it's sort of getting a good balance between the two kind of speaks to uh, the 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 craftiness of the show's creators and the business prowess of of ABC to do something like this. Having said that, it's another reboot and they should be ashamed of themselves for putting (laughs) something else on the air that's, you know, 20 years old. Are we reading too much into this? This, yeah. this was a widely popular TV show, right. and they've rebooted it. Like the fact that that so many people tuned in. Are we like? To, it feels like we are putting this political veneer on everything these days. And mm-hmm. I, maybe it is. Maybe it is political. But I sort of feel like people. There was the show that I used to like, and I it's on again. I'm going to watch it. Yep. It's a hyper partisan environment. So suddenly having that middle America. Trump supporting family, or at least part of the family. I mean, I think to the show's credit, I mean, they it sounds like they're going to grapple with these these issues. I think you're right, Phil. There is some hyper partisan lens that we bring to it. Mm-hmm. That being said, I, I do wonder. I mean, the fact that Roseanne Barr, you know, she's been off Twitter for a while. She's back. She fully embraces these conspiracy she's, theories. She's crazy. Yeah, and these are not like little conspiracy <laughs> theories. These are the ones that I mean, she genuinely believes. So it's like QCon. There's I don't know, there's this whole storm thing out there, and the more you dig into it, it's really really troubling that that Democrats and that Mueller is actually out to to arrest uh, Trump and Bush. And all. It, it is it is bonkers. Democrat what's out. Democrats I'm and sorry. Jews are yeah. involved in pedophilia rings that right. uh, that Trump is breaking up with secret indictments and yeah. It is it is it is PizzaGate to another level yep. and she is all in on this so that that rattles me a little bit that it makes me wonder whether we've shifted so far to the right i mean the show doesn't feel like it's that far to the right that's it's representing one segment of middle of america and i think we need to, to be honest that middle class america isn't just trump supporters there's a variety of right. groups that are middle class um but I, yeah but the conspiracy theory stuff is is really so, bizarre so she yeah. I, she's She's out there, and the fact that she has this public presence and is tweeting this stuff is concerning. But, I I mean, to kind of play devil's advocate, you know, so many people in Hollywood are fairly liberal, and conservatives get upset that Mm -hmm. they have their opinion, and Democrats or, you know, liberals are, you know, they're complaining about conservatives getting upset about people having opinions. And it seems like this is the flip, right? Mm -hmm. And, And if you want to feel like Meryl Streep can get up, and make a speech about something, then you have to be willing to let yes. Roseanne Barr get up and say something stupid. Um, and, and you know, you, you debate it on the merits of the issue, not on who's saying it or the star power of the person involved. Yeah. And, and so, but, but yeah, it, she's crazy. If you're, <laughs> you're going to bring Will and Grace back, you can bring Roseanne back, right? right. I mean, both of those, those are interesting conversations. Uh, Will and Grace, I think, has done a, a, a fairly good job of grappling with this and, and pushing liberals to some degree to, to rethink some of their, not necessarily views on Trump, but to be a, a, that they're 
oftentimes not as open-minded mm-hmm. as they they often what? think they are. Yes, I know. <laughs> so so in that Did way, I put you away for that. That's right. <laughs> I don't I don't have a problem with the show coming back, and I don't have a problem with Roseanne. Uh, you know, the, reflecting a different part of America. I think that's great. I I I wish she wasn't such a conspiracy nut. That's the thing, though. Yeah. You, I, she may be a conspiracy nut. If this was twenty years ago, what was it? Twenty five years ago, something like that, when the show was really popular, you would never know that. No, you're and right. the only reason you do know that is because of the again, 24-hour media cycle and Twitter and Facebook and all that other shit that didn't exist before that we realistically don't need that doesn't feed us any good information. If you just watched the fucking show and just made your own opinion about it, we would not be having this discussion. Maybe it's just a good show. Just watch it and say that it's a TV show. I Turn all the other shit off. Like I... There are plenty of fucking nutcases who are on every show right now that you don't hear anything about or that do express opinions but come from the other side of the political aisle mm-hmm. and we don't hear anything about it. I, I, I understand what the, what the climate is right now. Just watch a TV show. people. Just turn all the other shit off and just enjoy it for what it is. If you like it, and it's yeah. it's okay, right? Like, it's just okay. Like Alec Baldwin, you don't want to peel that onion. No, no that, not... never, <laughs> never ever. <laughs> you can journal about it afterwards. That's fine. Just don't yeah, go to Twitter. Dear diary, <laughs> I was so but, upset. But we sh- but we should reiterate, she's crazy. Yeah, yeah. She I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, in a really bad way. <laughs> so, really, really bad way. At some point, we should talk about that. That storm conspiracy, not today, but another time, because that is really disturbing. I haven't heard a lot about oh, that Oh, my one. goodness. There's this grand theory. It started with Donald Trump, who said this, the storm is coming or something like this, and it led to all of this this just really weird stuff out there. Cryptic um, tweets about yes. stuff that, that you can go online and decipher, and yeah, it's... And it, there's a huge following. That That's... The numbers, again, are more... Tra- there's always been conspiracy theories. That's the thing, but it's... It's it's more mainstream now, Nick. <laughs> I can't wait to hear more about <laughs> yes. this. It sounds exciting. Oh, um, that was a good one. Yeah, fun. Yeah, definitely fun. Uh, if you guys liked the podcast, or again, if you hate it and just want to share your hatred with other people, because it is a twenty four hour news cycle, and you can go on all the social media outlets. Uh, you can find us on Twitter uh, at Barstool Paul P O L, Facebook at Barstool Politics. Uh, you can check out the beers we try on the Untapped app on iOS and Android. Uh, you can find the actual podcast on SoundCloud. And then uh, on iTunes, please review us and share us because um, we like to keep doing these. And we like new people listening. And you're all nice. And we like you. <laughs> and your friends will probably like us too. So do all those things. Great. Good plug. <laughs> <laughs> Smiley face emoji. That's right. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. Uh, anything else, guys? No. All right. We'll talk to you guys next week then. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.